Thanks for listening to the Thyroid Fixer podcast with your host, me, Dr. Amy Horneman, aka The Thyroid Fixer. Also, functional medicine practitioner, hormone and weight loss expert. We're talking all things thyroid, hormone, and health-related in order to empower, educate, and transform you. Remember, I fix your thyroid, I fix your hormones, I fix your life. So let's get started. So I'm actually recording this from the blind. So for those of you who don't know what a blind is, and listen, I didn't either until I started hunting. I remember my cousin said we were in the blind. I'm like, what do you mean you're in the blind? You were blind? Like you couldn't see? No. In hunting, a blind is a big either cloth or hard-sided building, just enough for one person, windows all around, so that you can shoot deer out of it or turkeys or whatever you're using your blind for. That's where I am recording this from. And many of you that are hunters are going to be like, well, why are you talking so loud? Well, it's really because I'm just observing. I got my big buck this morning. So now I am just out here looking for deer, seeing if there's anything bigger than what I shot and just enjoying nature. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound... Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. But hunting is not what we're going to be talking about today. I am going to do another podcast on hunting and the benefits of venison and deer and being in the woods and the challenge of it and the adrenaline rush you get from it and the lowered cortisol that you get from it, but that will come another time. Today, we are talking about intermittent fasting. And ironically, this morning, before I shot my big buck, I did purposely not eat this morning. I wanted to do a fast. I wanted to do a fast. Well, really, because last night I had some pie and it was really good pie. And I probably had a little bit more than what I usually do. So this morning, I'm like, you know, I just need to give my body a break. I need to fast. And then the other benefit, so this could also be in the hunting podcast, was the cold. So a cold stress or a heat stress on the body is a therapeutic stress. That's why we talk about doing hot yoga and how that helps amp up your metabolism and take down your cortisol levels. We talk about ice plunges. I have a video somewhere on my Instagram and Facebook of me doing an ice plunge. And that is a, a cold stressor. The body responds to heat stress and cold stress by producing the autophagy that you get during a fast, which we'll get into in a second, and also by amping up your cell response, amping up your metabolism. 
it's like your body goes on high alert because you essentially are introducing and implementing a stress, but it's a short, quick, even if it's hot yoga, it's an hour, hour and a half. It's a short, quick stressor that allows the body to cleanse and get rid of the zombie bad cells. That's what autophagy is. It's like cleaning house, getting rid of the dead cells, getting rid of the zombie cells. So doing that heat stress or cold stress just kind of helps your body along. So what I did this morning, I knew it would be cold. It was like 32, but felt like 19 out. And I am, I was, I am in the blind. I was in the blind but with all the windows open. So when you sit, even though you're bundled up, ladies, there is really warm clothes out. If you want to hunt, there's warm, warm clothes you can get. Sitka is my favorite. Sitka, if you're listening, feel free to sponsor me because I love your shit. It is so warm. It keeps me warm. I love it. But even with warm clothes on, I mean, you got a hat, you got your big poofy jacket, big poofy pants. And I have gloves on. I mean, you're still cold. So your internal body temperature still drops down when you're in the cold, even bundled up and you're not active. It's not like I'm snowboarding, expending energy in the cold. You're not active, you're sitting. So I knew I had the benefits of both a fast and that cold thermogenesis that was happening where my body would respond to that as well and really kick up a whole nother level of autophagy. So when we're talking about intermittent fasting, let's really unpack this and break it down, especially the difference between men and women and how intermittent fasting may affect your thyroid. Okay, so first of all, what is my number one rule with intermittent fasting? I've talked about this before, but if you're a new listener, or if you haven't gone back a hundred and some episodes in my podcast, it bears repeating. I always want you to fast intuitively, naturally, meaning if you wake up and you are genuinely not hungry, and I wasn't, I wasn't hungry at all this morning. You wake up, you are genuinely not hungry, then don't eat. That's you tuning in and listening to your body. And, and hearing your body's hunger signals, because I think we all are so disconnected from our own hunger signals these days. And I do blame the 90s and the early 2000s and Fitness and Shape magazine for telling us to eat every two hours to keep your metabolism up. No, that is absolutely false. False, false, false. Especially if you have insulin resistance. And many of you do. If you have hypothyroidism, if you have Hashimoto's, You've also most likely in 99% of the cases have insulin resistance. So every single time you eat and put food into your mouth every two hours, because you think it's going to keep your metabolism up, you are jacking up your insulin, you're secreting glucose, you're secreting insulin and that excess insulin that can't get into your cells. That's what causes weight gain and fat storage because excess insulin, insulin is the fat storage hormone. I always call it Jekyll and Hyde. We need it for life, but in excess, it will cause fat storage. So here you are eating every couple hours. Yeah, that's not going to work really well because that is going to do nothing but jack up your insulin and your blood sugar. So rule number one is when you wake up, tune into your hunger signals. And we're going to try to get you to tune into your hunger signals 
all the time, not just when you wake up, because this is important every hour of your life to not be snacking and eating and eating a full meal and then snacking again and snacking again and throwing down a protein shake and throwing down a protein bar and then snacking again. You need to stop that first. So before we even get into intermittent fasting, stop the snacking. If you if your first step, if you're like, oh my gosh, Amy, I can't even imagine waking up and not eating. I can't imagine going 12 hours, 14 hours, 16 hours without eating. Well, that's your first sign that you have messed up blood sugar and insulin resistance. Because if you can't go that long without eating, you're eating too much too often and probably eating the wrong types of foods too. And you might have a thyroid problem that you don't know about, which is causing your insulin resistance. That's another podcast that I've already done that you can go back and listen to. But we'll touch on that again sometime. Intermittent fasting, sticking with listening to your body's hunger signals. You wake up in the morning. Are you hungry? Are you not hungry? Now, listen, sometimes you might be. Even if you are like myself and you're fat adapted and you're used to fasting, there are going to be times, especially if you're a woman, and listen, our hormones are changing all the time. There may be times when you wake up and you go, you know what? It is 6 a.m. and I am freaking hungry. Okay, so that's a day that you don't want to fast. Just like listening to your body's hunger signals as to whether or not you are actually hungry, it's also important to listen if you are hungry and not ignore that and not try to push past that. Because I know there's many of you out there that are type A personalities and you are going to set your mind that today is going to be an 18-hour fast because I heard on Dr. Amy's podcast all these wonderful benefits of fasting. So I'm going to do it, but you wake up hungry. So now what are you doing? You're overriding your body's hunger signals that we're trying to get you in tune to, and you're going to increase your cortisol because fasting is a stress. What did I say at the very beginning? Fasting is a stressor. Cold is a stressor. So I was double stressing my body, but I knew it would only be for a short amount of time. And I know my body well enough to know that it could definitely take it. I'm, I'm not in a stressed out situation. For goodness sakes, I'm in the woods. I'm in the least stressed situation that anyone could possibly be in. Sitting, mind you, not even exercising. I'm sitting. I mean, I got a little bit of workout looking for the deer. I ran 100 yards, had a good blood trail. Got a little bit of a workout, walking up a hill. But for the most part, I'm sitting. So I know my body well enough to know that that double stressor of fasting and cold I could handle for that short amount of time. Now, if I woke up starving this morning, which was entirely possible from the pie, because whenever you eat sugar the night before, sometimes you wake up hungry. Sometimes it's not just your hormones fluctuating. It's literally the sugar that you pounded the night before that is spiking your blood sugar up and down through the night and you wake up starving. If I would have woken up hungry, I would not have fasted. I would have listened to my body. So number one, listen to your body. Number two. Are you hungry or not hungry? Tune into those signals because I think there's also that habitual response, right? If you're in the habit of going to the vending machine at 2 p.m., if you're in the habit of having Tim Horton's scone with your coffee on the way to work, then it could be that you are actually eating out of habit and not out of hunger. So there's habit and hunger. Tune into that as well. Hungry, not hungry. And if you say that you're hungry, ask yourself, am I truly hungry? 
or am I responding to a habit that I've created over days, weeks, months, years? If you are like that, then your first step is going to be eat three times a day. Take the snacks out. Stop eating every two hours. Eat three times a day, three squares a day. Remember how your mom taught you. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. That's it. So you start there. And then you can start after you become adapted to that. And you can actually go between breakfast and lunch. And you can go between noon and six for dinner without feeling like you're going to rip someone's face off. And you get so hangry that you go to the vending machine. Once you can actually accomplish that, those three squares a day, then we can move on to a 12-hour fast, a 14-hour fast. So what does that look like? Let's say you're like me and you like having a snack at night with your Netflix. So it's 7 p.m., 8 p.m., you're sitting down and finally watch your Netflix series and you're like, ah, I just want something, you know? So that's where you have your keto ice cream or your Birch Vendor's keto pancakes with chalk zero syrup on them. And you have that and that's eight and then you're done. And you go to bed at 10 and then you wake up in the morning and you check yourself. Am I hungry? Am I not hungry? Let's say you have adapted yourself to the three squares a day. This is a scenario where you wake up and you're like, you know what? I'm good. I can have that black coffee and I can go a couple more hours. So now 8 a.m., you've gone 12 hours. That is a 12-hour fast. You were sleeping for most of it. So now you just fasted 12 hours and you might go, well, you know what? think I can make it till 10. I think I can, I, 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 I'm genuinely not hungry. I, I'm pretty sure I can make it till 10 a.m. And you make it till 10 a.m. just at a 14-hour fast, just like that. And I would start there. I would bounce between 12 and 14 hours. And some days you might not even hit 12. Remember, there are hormonal changes happening, male and female, you might not even hit 12 hours. But let's say you do. You get used to it. Then you move to 14. Then maybe, maybe one day a week, you hit 16 hours. That's going from 8 p.m. the night before. And then your first meal of the next day is at noon. So that doesn't sound horrible, does it? And yes, you can still have your coffee. Let me back up to the coffee because I know that's going to be a question. It's probably a question on your mind already. Can I have coffee when I fast? The answer is yes, but. I really want you to get a glucometer if you don't have one already. They're cheap. You can get them at Walmart. I mean, if, if, if you want to get a Keto Mojo, we can certainly do that. In fact, I'll put the discount code in the show notes for you for Keto Mojo. That tests your ketones. So if you are doing a ketogenic low-carb diet and you want to check your ketones, the Keto Mojo is great. It's the best one. It also checks your glucose. The strips are cheap. So what I want you to do with coffee is test your glucose response after drinking black coffee. So you want to take your take your blood sugar right before. So before you drink your morning coffee, take your blood sugar. We'll do a scenario. Let's say it's 90. And then you drink your coffee and half an hour later you take your blood sugar again and it's 95, 96. Fine. You've remained in a fasted state while drinking that black coffee. Now, what if you take it and you're 110? Okay, well, you're having an insulin response then to that black coffee. 
So you might need to put a little bit of fat in it. So then you try it the next day and you go, okay, I'm going to do a little bit of heavy whipping cream. Or if you're dairy-free, I'm going to do a little bit of butter, Kerrygold butter and coffee, folks. It's amazing. I'm going to do a little bit of coconut oil. So you add some fat to your coffee and then you test. Some people do better with black versus calories in their coffee because if you add butter, if you add coconut oil, it's still calories. And no, calories don't matter. We're not doing the calories in, calories out thing. But because you are ingesting something that is getting your digestive juices flowing, you may have a response to it. Now, technically, anything that is just pure fat, like heavy whipping cream, like butter, like coconut oil, pure fat does not elicit an insulin response in general. But we want to test you and we want to know your response. So you might do better with black coffee. Someone else might do better with a little bit of butter in their coffee and not get that blood sugar spike. So we really want a post-coffee blood sugar level no more than five to eight points above where your baseline was before you drank the coffee. So that's how we tell whether you remain in that fasted state. Listening to your hunger signals, not eating every couple of hours, spacing them out three squares a day, starting with 12 hours a day, then going to 14 hours a day. Then maybe you go to 16 hours a day. The differentiation comes in with male and female fasting. And then also one step further, those with hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's. Any kind of thyroid condition, even hormone imbalance, we know that the adrenals are affected. I'm going to say affected. I'm not going to say blown out. They're not exhausted. They're not wiped out. They're not blown. They're not flatlined all the time. Some of you are, but most of you aren't. The whole adrenal fatigue, adrenal exhaustion, adrenal blowout is way overused. So let me just say that. But do your adrenals become affected? Yes, of course. And we never want you to have high cortisol levels because that's going to interfere with T4 to T3 conversion. And we don't want you to have low, low, low cortisol levels, which can occur over prolonged periods of stress. So where I see the total burned out adrenals flatlined in the basement, no life happening whatsoever with the adrenal glands is usually after an intense period of stress. So I had one patient who got a divorce and lost her son, her 20-year-old son in an accident, all in the same year. That is a level of stress that most of us cannot even comprehend, and that tanked her adrenals. Other patients have a, an actual autoimmune condition. There's Cushing's, there's Addison's, where the adrenals are affected very similarly to Hashimoto's, where the immune system is literally attacking the adrenal glands, causing either large surges and spikes and highs of cortisol, or causing them to not produce enough whatsoever. Similar to type 1 diabetes that affects the pancreas, where the pancreas doesn't produce insulin. So there are certain times where that can occur, but most of the time, let's just look at it with the 80% generality of most of you, that your adrenals can become affected if you fast too much, too long, too often, because you're too type A, and you don't know when to back off. 
when the adrenal glands are affected like that, that's going to start affecting your thyroid function. I know many people out there, and I'm kind of going sideways right here, so bear with me. Many people out there are poo-pooers of keto and any kind of thyroid condition because they say it can tank your T3. Again, that is only when you do it obsessively time and time again, day in and day out. Then yes, we will see a reduction in T3 from a ketogenic low-carb diet if you don't ever break it. That's why I made the Keto for the Week course to teach you how to do keto the right way without completely tanking your thyroid. So there is a right way and a wrong way to do it. With intermittent fasting, there is a right way and wrong way to do it. And if you push past your limits, if you try to do that OMAD, one meal a day, if you try to do a 20-hour fast, a 24-hour fast, an 18-hour fast, a 16-hour fast every single day without listening to your body, that is going to affect your thyroid function. Hands down, it's going to affect your thyroid function. So what I want you to do is listen to your body and tiptoe your way into fasting. So ladies, if you are still cycling, my, my pre-menopausal ladies, if you are still having a regular cycle or semi-regular cycle, maybe it's not totally regular because, you know, we haven't gotten your thyroid optimized and your hormones are a little bit out of whack, even if you're in your 30s and 40s. If you are cycling regularly or somewhat regularly, then what we want, we want to have you do is listen to your body even more around the week of your period. So that week before, of course, we know it's the PMS week. And then the week after your period, well, during your period. So that would be the day of bleed is day one. Sorry, guys, earmuffs. Day of bleed is day one. So for that week before your period and the week of your cycle, day one through seven, that may or may not be a time to fast. So put that on your calendar as I will absolutely 100% listen to my body and I will not fast if I do not feel like fasting. But if I wake up and I am genuinely not hungry, I will not eat until the moment in time where I experience true hunger signals. And then I will listen to my body, whether it's 11 hours, 12 hours, or 16 hours, super in tune. Changes happening where things kind of amp up and you feel stronger and you feel sexier around ovulation. And that's the time where we're really taking care of our bodies and we walk with greater confidence levels. And that might be a time where you're like, you know what, today I am freaking fasting for 16 hours and you do it. And you're genuinely not hungry and you listen to your body and you threw in a 16 hour fast. And maybe the next day it's a 14 hour fast. And the next day it's another 16 and the next day it's a 12. All the time while listening to your body, but realizing that you have more hormonal power during that time as those days leading up to your cycle and during your cycle, because your body is under a stress at that time too. Now, pregnancy, I think we're at the pause and <laughs> mention that uh, you, you do not fast during pregnancy. I mean, it's one thing, ladies, if you wake up with morning sickness and you're like, please don't tell me I have to eat. Pregnancy is not a time to start. Let's go to my postmenopausal women. I don't want to leave you out. Postmenopausal ladies, here's my hope for you. My hope is that you are taking bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. Because first of all, I know I'm going on so many tangents on this podcast. But first of all, this is the first time in our history of people that we have lived this long. So most women, you know, the human race, we, we used to expire in our 40s. 
if we made it that long, maybe 50s. This is the first time ever where we're seeing centurions. We're seeing people living to 100. So yeah, there's going to be a few menopausal years in there. But you do not have to live those years feeling like garbage, getting fat and hot, flashy and bald and wrinkly. No, there are things that we can do. We can balance your hormones out. We can do that. So my hope is, there, there's my little sidestep, a little tangent. My hope is, is that you can and are on bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. My hope is that you are working with someone like myself to optimize your thyroid and your hormones at the same time, the both and principle. Then we can move on to intermittent fasting for you. What are we going to do in the postmenopausal state? This is a time, ladies, where you are strong and you are powerful. You've gone through the childbirth, or maybe not, if you're like me, maybe not, but you've gone through life and you've lived life and you've gained wisdom as you've moved on. And now you're more confident. You don't need the Instagram filter. You don't need to post selfies every five minutes. You've come so far and you're in a strong point in your life where you can tune into your body like no other time ever. So just tune into your body and listen to it. Definitely throw in some intermittent fasting here and there. And I really want you to work toward at least a 12 or 14 hour fast on the daily because that's good for your digestion. And this applies to everyone, but it gives your digestion a break. It gives your pancreas a break. It allows everything to rest. It allows insulin levels to come down and it allows for that autophagy to happen. So as we get older, we really want to be on top of cleaning out those zombie cells, those dead cells. So let's clean those out totally through intermittent fasting. Let's let our bodies tap into that excess fat and just eat it. Let's eat away the cancer cells. Let's light up our brains and protect our brains from diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and dementia. And we can do that through fasting. So my premenopausal ladies and men of all ages, you can benefit from fasting through that autophagy process, even in your 20s, 30s, 40s. Then as we move into 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, that's when the intermittent fasting really comes in and becomes even more therapeutic and even more preventative to those diseases of aging. And yes, you're going to lose weight. Two, because your body's going to actually tap into your fat stores for fuel instead of relying on glucose that you pound into your body every two hours, because that's what Shape Magazine and Muscle and Fitness told you to do back in the 90s. Your body definitely is going to tap into its own fat stores for fuel. So that's going to be a make a bonus. And then you're going to have another little bonus over here that is going to protect you from the diseases of aging. And that's what we want as we get older. That is vital. That is vital for life. That is vital for enjoying our later years. Because I saw my mom, my mom go through it. Many of you who've been listening to me for a while know that my mom passed a year ago, a little over a year ago from Alzheimer's. And it was a brutal disease to watch. It's the worst thing that could happen to anyone. And you can't even explain it unless you've gone through it. So doing everything that we can in our power in our wheelhouse, in our toolbox. And fasting is one of them. And guess what? It's free. So it's one of the very few things in life that can help us lose weight and improve our health that is free for you to implement, but it's going to take some tuning into your body. So let's recap. Ladies or gentlemen, doesn't matter. What are we going to do? We're going to listen to our body. We're going to start off by eating three squares a day, taking out all those snacks. 
And you know what? Throw away the protein bars and the garbage whey protein shakes, by the way. Those are whey, by the way, those are whey. And whey protein spikes insulin. So it's going to be really hard to fast when you're jacking up your insulin all the time. And this doesn't even mean like don't eat a candy bar. I mean, don't eat those stupid protein bars and, and protein shakes. And you're slamming those all day and you're walking around the gym with one stop. Eat three squares a day of real whole food. Go ahead and have a little bit of keto ice cream. Make some keto pancakes and have some dark chocolate as a treat and take out the snacks. Then listen to your body. When you wake up, are you hungry or you have it? Hungry or have it? Now you're going to try to go 12 hours. Then you're going to implement a 14. And then maybe one day a week, a month from now, you're going to implement a 16. And then you're going to listen to your body. And every so often, there's going to be those days in there where you're like, I just went 20 hours because I was so busy and I wasn't hungry. That is a natural, intuitive fast. You did it. You didn't force it. You didn't drink bubblies and bone broth through your entire day trying to make that 24-hour mark. I know I've been there. That's why I'm telling you that is a habit or that's a that's a type A thing. I don't know what to call it. It's a type A thing. It's that I'm going to do an OMAD today. This was me a few years ago. I'm going to do an OMAD. I'm going to do one meal a day. I'm going to do 24-hour fast, but I am freaking miserable through the whole day. So I'm going to slam bubbly sparkling, sparkling water and drink bone broth. Well, all I did was mess up my cortisol levels. I overrode my body's own hunger signals. Bad, wrong. I've learned from my mistakes. That's why I'm passing my knowledge on to you. So that's what you're going to do. You're not going to be scared of it tanking your thyroid if you're listening to your body. Remember how I said you can either be a sugar burner or a fat burner. You're either burning fat for fuel that's on your body or you're burning the sugar that you're just constantly pumping in. Now that's just, that's, you can't just narrow that down to every eating every two hours. Like you're a snackaholic eating every two hours. It goes beyond that. Those threes, those three square meals per day, if they are high in carbs, if you're slamming down the pasta and, and, you're, and you're stopping at Tim Hortons for the scone or your meal one, those three squares a day are going to be jacking up your insulin if they are high carb. That's going to make it really, really, really hard to even make it from lunch to dinner, let alone implement a 12 to 14 hour fast. So maybe if you are a carboholic right now and you're listening to this and you know you need to make some lifestyle changes and you read about intermittent fasting, you know that it's good for you and it's good for your insulin levels and it's good for your digestive tract and it's good for autophagy and it's good for your brain and preventing diseases of aging and everything that we just talked about and you really, really want to do it, but it's really, really hard, then maybe your first step is actually to cut the carbs cut the carbs down, come down, 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 total your carbs up. Are you eating 300? Maybe go to 200 and then go down to 100. And then maybe three weeks in, you're down to 100. Now you go to 75. Cut those carbs down first. and It will be easy to go the 12 and 14 hours. There you go. Fasting is fasting. 12-hour eating window. If it's a 10-hour eating window, if it's an eight-hour eating window, if it's a six-hour eating window, you are not dropping your calories. You're not starving yourself. So you actually have to be conscious of getting in the amount of protein that your body needs, not in the form of a protein shake or protein bar and getting in the fat and the calories that your body needs. You have to think about that and actually get that in. You can't starve yourself because that will drop your T3 and that will cause your body to hold on to your fat for dear life and it will never shed it. And you think 
that it will because you grew up in the 80s counting calories, but it's not. Your body will go into starvation mode. Starvation mode is real. Your body will go into starvation mode. It will hold on to your fat cells. It will never let them go because you're not feeding your body enough. Fasting is not starving. During your eating window, you're eating the same quantity. I hesitate to say calories because I don't want you getting calories in, calories out. But you're eating the same quantity of food that you would normally eat throughout an entire day. And it better be good quality food too. We'll tag that on. So much to talk about. As you can see, this can go into multiple podcasts. I just want to give you this information to digest and implement. Hopefully that answers a ton of your questions. As always, share it. And then if you are listening and you're like, I freaking need help. This is beyond me. Then book a discovery call with me. That's what I'm here for. I still work one-on-one with patients. I have an amazing group program. We can help you. We can fix you. I can prescribe in multiple states if there's a thyroid condition or if we need bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. I got it covered. So if this sounds way too confusing to implement, do not worry. I have your back. We got you covered. Book a call. If you got this down pat, if you're going to do it on your own, do it. Let me know how it goes. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you loved it. And as always, if you would be so kind to leave a review, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely amazing. I read all of them. Also, anything that you hear on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition. So we always recommend that you check with your medical provider, your doctor, your nurse practitioner before implementing anything that you hear on this podcast. And if you want to find out more about working together, you can click the link below in the show notes to book a discovery call. And there you'll be talking to a member of my team. They are an extension of me. They are amazing. And you and I will talk after that once we get you all signed up and you and I get to work together. All right. I hope to see you soon.